for sure. And if you would, give it up for Mark as he comes on down. Woo. I always, always love it when you get up here, Mark. Good luck. I love you, brother. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Mark. I, uh, I lead the senior boys small group. The senior boys that beat Stevens junior boys last week at football. No cheating. It was all fair and square. It's <laughs> good. Um, in 2005, a man named Bobby Henderson decided he did not like Christians and he wanted to start his own religion. So let's watch this video about the religion he created. Oh my God. 
So. So, um, I'm probably fired after this. <laughs> ah, okay, so, so this is legitimately a thing, y'all. I'm not kidding. Bobby Henderson created a god, and he called him the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Then, using that God with a little G, he created the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, and he called his religion Pastafarianism. Yeah. Now, you may be looking at this and going, who in the world would follow this religion? But believe it or not, it gained a lot of popularity, and many people have joined his church. They have a website. They've created their own Bible. They have a huge following. And it's all because one man didn't like Christians. No one actually really believes that there is a real flying pasta created, complex, carbohydrated deity out there. But here was their thought Christianity is stupid. And we have just as much reason to believe in a flying spaghetti monster as we do in Jesus. Right? But is that the case? No. Is believing in Jesus a blind leap of faith without any evidence? No. Some people believe that it's no different than believing in the flying spaghetti monster. See, Scripture actively roots itself in history, and since it is true, history and archaeology testify to it. There is zero doubt that Jesus walked this earth. Zero. We have archaeological evidence of things that happened in the Bible. As a matter of fact, I, I watched a video yesterday where they have found the actual place where Sodom and Gomorrah was, and they, archaeologists have been digging it up. And they have found pure, round balls of sulfur that the Bible calls brimstone that rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. They've actually found them in this uh, archaeological dig. So the Bible has testified itself to be true. Over and over again, we see the Bible to be true, yet sometimes a lot of people don't believe it. They doubt it. They don't have faith. Now, we're going to read the whole passage of Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God. And these are the things we've been talking about for the past few weeks. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 6 while I remove the colander from my head. So Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having Put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you, God, that it is alive, it is active, and God, it increases our faith. God, we just pray your Holy Spirit be in this place and evident among your people. God, allow us to hear your words, hear your voice, and to apply them to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Paul in the Ephesians chapter is calling the believers to put on the whole armor of God. A few weeks ago, Adam taught us to stand with the belt of truth. Bud showed us that we have to have on the breastplate of righteousness. And Stephen talked about his sweaty feet. And and how we must put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And today we are going to talk about what Ephesians 6.16 says. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, when Paul calls believers to be equipped with the shield of faith, he isn't asking them to take a generic blind leap of faith and ignore evidence. Instead, he's calling believers to trust in Jesus. So when we talk about faith tonight, I want you to think about faith and trust being almost synonymous. Because you have to, have, you have to trust God and have faith in him. Um, there is no evidence of there ever being this flying spaghetti monster, but there is significant evidence that, evidence that Jesus not only walked this earth in Israel, but that his words are true and his miracles have been witnessed. It is the equivalent of a sick man putting his case in the hands of the best doctor. It is an act of trust based on the qualifications of that person. So let me ask you this. What do you put your faith in every single day? What do you trust regularly? I trust my alarm to go off in the morning when it's time for me to get up. Right? I, I trust that the water that comes out of my faucet isn't poisonous or filled with parasites. Turn that thing on. Who knows what could be coming out of there? But we trust it, Right? I trust my doctor to diagnose me appropriately, give me the right medication, and when I take that medication prescription to the pharmacist, that he's actually giving me the right medication. I look in that pill bottle, I have no idea what that stuff is, right? We have to trust that somebody is doing their job, and I have to trust Jesus with my whole life. It's kind of a bold statement, right? To trust Jesus with your whole life when bad stuff happens, we got to trust Jesus. When good stuff happens, we have to trust Jesus. When a boring Tuesday happens, we still have to be trusting Jesus. The reason we trust Jesus is because we know that he is true and he is interested in our best interests. So what is faith? The Bible defines faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How many of you have been on an airplane? Okay, I've been on lots of planes, a lot of airplanes. And I went and I I made a list of all the airports I've been to. And there's 80 airports that I have flown in and out of. 80, that's a lot. And some of those airports I flew in and out of multiple times. So I've, I've taken well over 100 flights in my lifetime. But every time I get on a plane, I am assured that my pilots are licensed and know what they are doing. I am hopeful 
that they had a good night's sleep, and they didn't stop at the bar for a few margaritas on the way to the airport. I put my trust in these two people sitting in the cockpit that I have no idea who they are. I don't know their names. I haven't checked their credentials, and yet I am still able to sit in that seat put a seatbelt on, travel at 600 miles an hour at 33,000 feet, and I could go to sleep. So if I can do that with a pilot or two that I have, do not know their name, do not know their credentials, why can't I trust Jesus whose name I do know and whose credentials I do know? We have to put our trust in Jesus. Sometimes it's difficult, right? putting our faith and our trust and our confidence, we have to always remember that Jesus is always working for our good. There's a story in, cha- in Mark chapter 9. It's a story, if you go and you read all the details of the story, it's kind of freaky. But there's a story about a man who comes to Jesus and tells Jesus how he has a son who's demon-possessed. And the demon co- is causing the boy, this man's son, to be mute. And that means he can't talk. Um, Now, the demon would often cause the boy to go into violent seizures. He would foam at the mouth, jerk around on the ground. The man went up to Jesus' disciples and asked the disciples to cast the demon out of his boy, but the disciples couldn't do it. As a matter of fact, he tells Jesus that, I took him to the disciples, they couldn't cast him out, and Jesus' response to him in verse 19 of Mark chapter 9 says, O faithless generation! How long am I to be with you? And how long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. There's an old SNL skit where, I don't know why that got cut off, but <laughs> there's an old SNL skit where this guy who's a, he's a tech guy, and he says, all you got to do is this, this, and this. And they're like, uh, what? And he just says, move. And he just does it for them. And this is what I kind of feel like Jesus is like, doing right here. He's already given his disciples power. He's given them authority over the enemy. And then they go out and they don't do it. Jesus is like, just bring him here. Just bring him here. I'll take care of it. And so they brought the boy to Jesus and the demon immediately recognizes Jesus and throws the boy on the ground, makes him go into a convulsing seizure. He's foaming at the mouth, rolling around on the ground, and Jesus is probably just looking at him going, okay. And he asks, how long has this been happening? And the guy looks at Jesus and says, since he was a kid. As a matter of fact, sometimes it throws him into the water to try to drown him. Sometimes it throws him into the fire to try to kill him. And in verse 22, Jesus Jesus tells him, actually, verse 22, the the man looks at Jesus after explaining all this and says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. How do you think Jesus probably felt in that moment? He tells us, verse 23, he says, if you can. (laughs) Wait, what? Jesus said, if you can, like it's in this particular version of the Bible, there's an exclamation point. Some other versions put a question mark. Like, if you can, Jesus, if you can do anything, just have mercy on us. God kind of said, you know, if you can do anything, please, please do this. And Jesus looks back and is like, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. 
Verse 24, immediately the father cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. You ever felt like that? Like, I believe, but there's a small part of my heart that doesn't 100% trust that Jesus can or that God will. We all know sometimes that he can, but we often doubt that he will. Or, like me sometimes, I believe it for someone else, but don't believe it for myself. Be a little real with you tonight. Adam sent this um, schedule a couple weeks ago and said, this is when you're going to preach, and this is what day you're going to preach on, and this is what you're going to preach about. And I'd already been praying about it and already been uh, looking into some scriptures about it. And then um, I'm sitting over here last Sunday. And Chris Nagel, one of our elders, comes over and is like, hey, I need you to come help me pray with this guy over here. I'm like, all right, let's go pray. I'm all about to pray, and let's go pray. So we get over in that back corner, and we start praying, about to start praying. And Chris said, here's the need that this man has, and we want to really believe God for a miracle for him. And I had to stand still because I thought, oh, man, I need that same miracle in my own life. And I'm about to pray for this guy and believe for him, but I don't think I believe it for me. You see, I can have a whole bunch of faith for you and pray over you, but sometimes I don't have that same kind of faith for me. And I've seen some of you pray amazing, wonderful prayers for some other other people, full of faith, giving that person exactly the words that they need to hear for somebody else. And all that while, you're praying the amazing prayers for healing and deliverance and hope for someone else. You yourself don't necessarily believe that God will do it for you. See, we got to trust God with all of it. We know that God is interested in our absolute best. And when we pray, we can believe not only that he can, but also that he will. You know, God always answers prayers. Did you know that? It's not always yes, though. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is wait. But he always answers. I have the cutest little seven-year-old on the planet. And I love talking about him. And one day when he gets an Oli, I won't be able to preach about him anymore. (laughs) But for now, I'm going to talk about him. Um... He gets out of, out of uh, an after-school activity at 4 o'clock. We usually do dinner about 5.30. So he wants to run home and get a snack quick because we have a cutoff time. And if we don't get home by that cutoff time, there's no snacks because you have got to wait for dinner, right? So if, when Judah asks me for a cookie at 4.30, the answer is not yes <laughs> because we're about to have dinner. The answer is not no because I know he's probably going to get one later. The answer is wait. But what if my answer was no? Does that mean I don't love him? Does that mean I don't care about him? No. When I tell Judy, you can't have a cookie right now, it's because of my love for him. It's because I want what is best for him. And sometimes that's the way it is with God. He is sometimes saying no, or sometimes he says wait, because it's in your best interest. But you know what? We still should pray. And we should still believe. 
Let me give you an example. I was talking with a, with a, a gentleman the other day who was really struggling with Mark, I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have fasted, and I have prayed for this to happen, and it didn't happen. He said, what, what did I do wrong? He said, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. God's answer for you was just no. He said, but he's supposed to answer. I said, okay, if that's the case, then nobody would ever die. Right? Because we could pray and pray, God, I pray this, you have, to be, you have to heal him. Isn't that the way it always works out? If it worked out that way, every one of us would win the lottery, right? <laughs> God, but God, I prayed. You're supposed to make me the $2 billion winner. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. But it's all about God's great love for you and how he wants to answer that. John Wesley, who was a great Christian thinker and evangelist back in the 18th century, he often struggled with worry and anxiety. And one day he was walking with a man who was also struggling with some doubts and, uh, God's, uh, and some um, struggles about God's goodness. And as they were walking, John Wesley saw a cow looking over a stone wall. He asked the man, do you know why that cow is looking over that stone wall? No, the man said. Wesley replied, the cow is looking over the wall because she cannot see through it. That is what you must do with your wall of trouble and doubt. You have to look over it. They say, well, we got to equip ourselves with a shield of faith. It means being able to look past our current circumstances and look at Jesus. He is the one who has done so much on our behalf, and he will continue to do stuff on our behalf. It doesn't mean that we ignore our doubts and fears. No, it means we still center our lives on Jesus, even in the midst of our doubts and in the midst of our fears. So let's talk about the shield for just a minute. Talking about the shield of faith. Now, back in Roman times, let's take a look at what the shield would probably have looked like. The book of Ephesians was written at a time when Rome was the world's superpower. They were it. This is an, an example of what it probably looked like back in Roman times based on history and artifacts. Now, these armies were feared among the nations, and the soldiers were well-trained and well-equipped. The soldier's shield was the most important part of his equipment. It would have been very large, likely the distance from his knees to his shoulder. The outside edges would have been curved to protect against front for the front and the sides. Also, sometimes when an arrow would come by, it could hit the sides and be deflected. It was essential for survival against missiles launched from a distance and blows from close contact. Without it, the soldier wouldn't last very long. And without faith, we won't last very long. The attacks of the enemy will defeat us, and we often limp away wounded. Stephen? Last week, stand right there. No, come up here, up here, up here, right there. Last week, those of you that were here, I asked you to do something. I asked your small group leaders to give you a piece of paper and a pen. 
and I asked you to write down what your biggest challenge was. Okay? Now, I can assure you, and I promise you before God and everybody else, I have not looked at these. I have not read these. I have not opened a single one to take a look and peek inside what some of you have written. We ask that you do it, that you would do it anonymously so nobody would know what was going on. Nobody would know whose it was. Those of you that weren't here, excuse me, let me do this. Those of you that were here, I want you to think for just a moment about what you wrote on that piece of paper. If you weren't here, I'm going to ask you to think about what you would have written on that piece of paper. What was your biggest current challenge? Is it a sin struggle, a challenge with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, a family member? Is it a school problem, a health problem? I'm sure all of those kinds of things are in here. There's well over 100 crumpled pieces of paper representing the challenges that the enemy has been throwing at you. This is real. This is what is happening in your lives. Now, some of us get bogged down in our faith with these challenges. We like to just hang on to them, love on them, (laughs) enjoy them. We let our worries, our doubts, and even our emotions defeat us and prevent us from thriving in Jesus. Sometimes we bury our head in the challenge, and we complain about how hard it is to live a Christian life. And the devil is constantly trying to get you bogged down. And we're called to look past our circumstances and put our faith in Jesus. And we can trust him because he loves us. So these are right now are going to represent the fiery darts that the enemy is throwing at us. But first of all, before you become a Christian, before you ask Jesus into your life, before you accept Christ as Savior, you don't have any protection against this guy. Stephen's the devil. Stephen, Stephen is the devil here. So before you become a Christian, this is what's happening. Hmm. I think I'll take this sin and enjoy it for a little while. And maybe this one too. You stick it in your pocket and you live happily ever after. Not realizing that these are flaming darts and they're burning you up inside. Okay. But let's say you become a Christian. You're a new baby Christian. You just accepted Jesus and you have a teeny tiny shield of faith. You just accepted Jesus. You got some faith. You know that there is a God who loves you and who died for you. So you've got a little bit of faith here. And so the devil, he don't like it. Do you like it? He don't like it. So the devil is going to throw those flaming darts at you. And I have to, with my little bitty shield of faith, block those flaming darts. I I wasn't ready. (laughs) You might get some. Oops. You might get some. Right in the eyeball. But then, think about it, guys. These are your things. These are your things. Remember, these are your flaming, fiery darts. But then you go to Oli, and you hear the word preached. And you go into your small groups, and you guys share scripture. And you read your Bible in the morning and the afternoon, and your faith grows a little bit. 
Because the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So the more Word of God you get in you, the bigger your shield of faith gets. So a lot of times we'll do worship and I'll be sitting back there and I'll notice that's when you, some of you check out. That's when you really need to be paying attention is when the word is being preached so your faith gets bigger. So that when the devil starts his stuff again, you've got a little bit more to deflect, okay? But your faith is getting bigger and bigger. Oh, he got me with that one. Until later on, what you really grow in your faith. Remember I said from your knees to your shoulders? Yeah, and then he can throw all he wants. He is not going to get me with his flaming darts, right? So no matter how hard he goes, <laughs> thank you. Set it down right there. Set it down right there. Thank you. Thank you, Devil Stephen. See, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a clue what's on these things. I can take a guess about some of them. Some of them you're willing to catch and hold on to. Some of them you've had them so long, you don't know how to extinguish those fiery darts. Some of them you don't even believe that's even a problem now. Because maybe you have prayed for so long and so many times that it would, be, it would just go away that the enemy just keeps throwing it out and you're just like, oh, it's not a problem anymore. Or the enemy keeps throwing it at you and you just accept it. Oh, this is just what I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life. Because you're not building up your faith and putting your trust and your confidence in Jesus. So when he launches these things, it's to distract you, it's to discourage you, and it is to prevent you from wholeheartedly serving God with all that you've got. He launches these things at you to try to make you sad and depressed and hopeless and anxious. He launches these things at you to steal your joy, your hope, and your strength. So we have to block the fiery darts of the enemy. And we may still get hit sometimes. Sometimes things are going to happen. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean we just throw down the sword and say, oh, I got hit. It's over. We hold up that shield of faith. And the shield of faith is not, faith itself is not the thing that is going to get you through. It is the faith in Jesus that is what's going to get you through. Jesus is the one that's going to get you through. And over time, your shield of faith will grow and grow and grow if you stay in his word. And those struggles and those temptations and those trials become easier to deflect. The shield of faith's purpose, according to the scripture, says to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So this is, this is my, my main idea for you guys. These are going to probably be around for a while. Life is going to throw you stuff. The enemy is going to keep launching stuff at you. 
So we have to build up our faith. We have to trust Jesus with everything that we've got. I want the band to come on up. Here's the thing, guys. Our mistakes sometimes have lead us to consequences. Sometimes those consequences can be short-term. Sometimes they can be lifelong. Remember, I am a school counselor. I've, I've pretty much heard it all. I've pretty much seen it all. 20 years of doing this, I've, I've seen it all pretty much, I think. There are a lot of consequences that come from some of our choices and some of our decisions. There are some things that um, we have to put our trust in Jesus for. Everything, not some things. We have to trust Jesus with everything. Our sin struggles. Our relationships with families and friends. Our health. Our mental health. Our spirituality. Our doubts. Our fears our pride, our past, our present, our future. We have to trust Jesus with all of it. You all right, bro? See, this is, this is exactly how the enemy likes to work, right? He distracts you from what God is trying to do. Guys, in case you haven't noticed, you're in a battle. In case you have not noticed, we've been trying to really instill in you over the past month or so that you are in a battle. You are already under attack. You are already being bombarded by the enemy. And it's time to take up your shield of faith and believe that God will quench those flaming darts of the enemy. So our response is going to be a little bit different tonight. Because I've been praying about these all week long. I'm scared to death of what might be in there. So that's one of the reasons I haven't even looked. But secondly, because I wanted you to feel safe and know that it was anonymous. Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask all the adult male leaders to come right here and line up this way facing the audience. Female leaders, adult female leaders from here going that way. See, there are, there are people in this room that I know you haven't accepted Christ as Savior. You, you're coming here because of some girl, some boy, somebody invited you. Maybe you're coming here because it's fun, because you get snacks, because there's great music, because you get to get out of the house. Maybe you're coming here because you ain't got nothing else to do, but you still haven't accepted Christ as Savior. If you haven't asked God to forgive you of your sins and help you to live for him, tonight I want you to go to a leader. Guys, I want you to go to the guys. Ladies, I want you to go to the ladies. I want you to go to a leader and just say, I haven't accepted Jesus yet. And they'll pray with you and walk you through that process. If you have accepted Christ as Savior, but these flaming darts are killing you, and you want freedom, I want you to come to one of these people. Okay? They're going to pray with you. And they're going to believe with you. These guys got some faith. I know these guys have some faith. And if you don't have, if your shield is too small 
to deflect those fiery darts, then go to one of these people and ask them to help you with your lack of faith. Maybe they can have big faith for you. Think about what you wrote on that paper or what you should have written on that paper. Maybe you weren't honest and you're like, man, I I don't trust these people. I'm going to write this in case somebody reads it. Nobody's read it. But what you should have written down or what you did write down, if you really want freedom, tonight can be your night. I want everybody to stand. If you are not one of those two people, I want you to stay where you are and worship from where you are and pray for the people from afar. Okay? I want this area, this space for tonight to be for people who really are seeking deliverance or hope or prayer for what is desperately needed in their lives. God, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. God, we sense your presence in this place. And God, we just ask that you would help us to be real with you. God, for those who don't know you as Savior, we just pray, God, that tonight they would accept you as Lord and Savior of their lives. God, those who are dealing with struggles that have been ongoing and just seem hopeless, God, we just pray for new hope tonight. God, those who are struggling with sin patterns, we just pray for freedom tonight. God, we know that you are more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So God, do a miracle in this place tonight. In Jesus' name.